when I thought I lost me. You knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love. And you picked up all my pieces. Have you ever just fallen apart and, and God has come and just put you back together again? You're the defender. Those words that we sing are so powerful. You are the defender of my heart. Aren't you glad for that today? Amen. Praise God. It's so good to see everybody here today. And I know a lot of people still have their yard to make it. Um, do you know that we have some people in our church who have not yet been out of their yard? And they're uh, highly... It would be highly contagious for them to just leave uh, their age and maybe uh, a disease that they may have. But I want you to know that I am grateful for all of you who um, have taken a step of faith and wisdom. I think you need both. The Bible talks about faith and works, doesn't it? You got to have wisdom, and but yet you got to step out on faith at times. And I, I'm thankful for the church, the body of believers that have come. And especially if you're a first-time guest, uh, I hope that you received a connection card. If not, at our guest services table, uh, you can fill one of these out. We don't want to bother you too much. We uh, want to send you an email and say thank you for coming in. We also have a free gift for you as well. We're in a series right now, and it's called Imagine Heaven. It's by John Burke. He's actually the pastor of Gateway Church in Austin. Uh, he has written uh, such an awesome book. It, how many has been able to purchase the book so far? I know you have enjoyed reading it. I, I know with the first half of the book, you, you just, you're just ready to go to heaven. It's like, I'm ready. Let's go. I, it's, it's good, right? We're 500. And uh, I, over here it says, New York Times bestseller, over 500,000 copies sold. And uh, I know that uh, people are interested in the hereafter. And we've got to share with you who God is and a little bit about heaven. And next week we're going to talk more about what heaven is going to be like and how there will be football games in heaven. Go Saints. That's my joke. Okay, that's, that's all I got. That's, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, and, and this Sunday you're, you're going to say, wow, I picked a great Sunday to come. In the series, this Sunday is, is actually about the opposite of heaven, and it's where people that don't accept Christ will end up in eternity, and it's, of course it's hell. And hell's probably the most hated truth in the Bible. And a lot of people are afraid to preach about hell because it doesn't attract a lot of crowds at times. But Jesus actually was the greatest hellfire preacher ever. Did you know that he talked more about hell than he did heaven? Search the scriptures, it's true. And both is easy and hard to get to go to hell. It's easy and it's hard. Because the reason it's hard is because the price has already been paid. All you have to do is accept it. <laughs> the hard part's over. Jesus loved you so much that he was tortured so that you could find freedom. He died, but he rose again on that third day. And we love to celebrate that, don't we? We love to celebrate that. Billy Sunday, who was, he was actually an athlete uh, 
I think he was born in the 1800s. And hell, he said this, hell, and he became an evangelist. And he said, hell is the highest reward the devil can offer you for being a servant of his. That's the highest reward that he can give. And so uh, I, I heard a, a quote, and I want to quote it to you. Hell has no exits. People pray in hell, but no one ever answers. It's too late once you're there, and there is no more hope. So with that being said today, I, I, I want to share with you, and I, I can't give you all the scriptures because there's so many, but I want to share with you what the Bible speaks about as far as hell. And like I said, this is something that Jesus taught. And he said, you don't want to go there. And today's message is called Hellish Experience. And I, I want to start off by showing you a video of, of a, a man named Howard Storm. And uh, Howard is, you can actually, he's a story in this book. He did not have a positive experience He's going to, we're going to set this up and then a little bit later on, we're going to share with you uh, his negative experience in the afterlife, um, people that have these near-death experiences, and we're going to be calling that NDE, NDEers, all right, just for short, so that, so that the pastor doesn't have to keep saying near-death experiencers, all right? Say that 10 times real fast, and you might even get a blessing doing it. So I want to share with you at first Howard Storm. Of, and, and, and just remember, this is a tenured college professor that had this experience. He was an atheist. He clinically died and was resuscitated. Let's watch. Um, sometime in that afternoon that I was dying, um, I knew absolutely. But I didn't want to die because I was an atheist and I was... Uh, I knew that uh, I was terrified of it because dying means the end of everything. I was a 38-year-old college professor. Um, my work was shown in some museums. You know, I'd won some prizes, you know, and a wife and two kids and, you know, a career. And, and you know, one of the thoughts that kept going through, how could this happen? I went unconscious. I awoke from that. And I felt wonderful. I I had ever felt in my entire life. Wait, so you knew you died, and suddenly you felt great? Well, I didn't know I'd died. I just, I'd been unconscious, and now I feel great, you know? And where were you? Standing next to the bed, upright, and I, the first thing, I was like, why do I feel so good? I just felt the worst I'd ever felt in my entire life. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't breathe, and now I'm like Superman. And my eyesight, my hearing, my taste, and then... So you still don't know you're dead? No. And you feel I haven't figured alive? This out. You feel I feel good? more alive than I've ever felt in my entire life. And, and your senses, you said, are heightened? Yeah, I mean, this world, ever since this experience, has been kind of a disappointment because this world is sort of dreamlike compared to the reality that I experienced in this. Mm. And... Uh, I heard people calling me um, in English kind of nicely, you know, Howard, Howard, come here, come here. So I go over to the doorway of the room and in the hallway is gray. It's um, very unclear, like a terrible black and white TV picture. And there's men and women standing far away from the light of the doorway. I said, I'm sick, I need to have surgery. I've been waiting all day for a doctor. Um, and they said, we know all about you. Hurry, come with 
We can't wait any longer. Come, come, hurry. And we're going to come back to his story in a few moments. But I wanted to share with you just a little bit. At first, it was all good. His experience was all good. He felt wonderful. He said, I felt like Superman with heightened senses. And he, he, he didn't think he was dead because he was very much alive. He was standing on the outside of his bed. And he, you, know, you see your body there. And this is what these near-death experiencers experience is the life in the hereafter. And I know sometimes it's easy to be skeptical. So what we want to do is we want to align what they say with the Word of God. What does the Word of God have to say about this? And Howard's experience, if it ended right there, we could say everybody goes to heaven. We kind of think that sometimes because anyone who dies, everybody's going to heaven. But actually, not everyone will. And this is what the Bible says because there are a couple choices that you can have. When, when I hear Howard's story, it, it, it's very disturbing because studies show that 23% of NDEers who have come forward, because a lot of them won't come forward with this because they're embarrassed about it, they are hellish in nature. Hellish in nature. Uh, in the negative book, um, he talks about another person who uh, had a negative experience and he had died on the operating table and uh, this doctor began to do CPR and I, I want to read some of this. He said, I had to insert a pacemaker wire into the large vein. The patient began coming too, but whenever I would reach for instruments or otherwise interrupt my compressions of his chest, the patient would again lose consciousness. Stop breathing and die once more. Each time he regained a heartbeat and the patient began to scream, I'm in hell. He was terrified and he pleaded with me to help him. I was scared to death as the doctor because I'm not a preacher. After several recitations, the man pleaded, don't you understand? I am in hell and each time you quit, I go back there. Don't let me go back to hell. I dismissed his complaint and told him to keep his hell to himself until I finished getting the pacemaker into place. But the man was serious. How do I stay out of hell? Please pray for me, he begged. Pray for him? I'm not a preacher. I'm a doctor. Pray for me, he replied. I find that interesting that 23% of those who wager that forward of these NDEs they have this hellish nature that they go through, and it's disturbing. And this is the point I, I think that we as pastors have to get comfortable with, and you as a Christian also have to get comfortable with, is that it would be very unloving not to talk about hell. We have to understand that this life is temporal, and the next life is eternal. And there's only two places. And I wouldn't want you to come to Christ just for fire insurance. Okay? I want you to come to Christ because he loves you. He was tortured for you so that your sins could be forgiven. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, mm, I feel his presence. We have been forgiven. So... 
what I want to do today is I want to answer a lot of questions. Um, did Jesus teach hell was just as real as heaven? And, and actually, it's true. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11. He was talking to the religious people who rejected his teachings. And they did not turn to him as Messiah. And he told them this in Matthew 8, verse 11. I will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. That's that marriage supper of the Lamb where we're going to eat tacos. Come on, somebody. But many Israelites, for those whom the kingdom was preached, will be thrown into what? Outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, extreme pain. Jesus taught about outer darkness. And he made it very clear that he does not want anyone to go there. In fact, Matthew 18, he said, It is not my will that one of these should perish. He went to go find the one lost sheep in his parable. Uh, Some of you have heard me quote C.S. Lewis before. He was once an atheist, and he turned a believer. And he didn't believe that God sends anyone to hell. Listen to what he wrote. I willingly believe that the damned are, in one sense, successful. Rebels to the end, that the doors of hell are locked from the inside. I think that's interesting. So what I want to do again is I want to show you this continuation of this video. It's, it went through it. It's about six minutes. But I'll, I, I want you to understand that what he went through, and, and it's still very emotional for him. Howard realized the truth of Jesus' words the hard way. And we have seen a little bit of this video at the end last week. But I wanted to put it all together. And I want to give you a warning that if there's young children here today... There are some very graphic moments, and if you don't want them to hear this, then you're welcome to step outside. But I I think it's important to hear Howard's hellish experience. Let's let's watch. Doctor, this is great. The people, um, as I left the light of the room going into the hallway, um, encircled me and kind of started leading me in this direction. As we journeyed, And there's no sense of time in any of this. So when I make time references, it's only for the purposes of trying to make a rational, sequential story out of this. As we went, it got darker and darker, and they came in closer and closer, and more and more of them were around me. And now, as I ask them questions like, where are we going, how much further, things like that, they started to become more rude and say things to me like, shut up, don't ask questions. You'll find out. You don't need to know. Keep moving. Intimidating. Move it. You know, like that. And I'm like, getting pretty intimidated. That becomes fear. That becomes terror. Now, this is over a journey of miles and miles and miles. And eventually, it's so dark, I'm aware I can't see anything anymore. It's pitch black. And I've I figure I'm, I'm done. You know, I've had it. And so I said, I'm not going any further. And they said, oh, yes, you are. You've got further to go. And I said, I'm not going. And so they started to tug at me and push at me. 
what they were doing was just playing with me, toying with me. Um, and at first it was pushing, kicking, pulling, hitting. And then that became biting and tearing with their fingernails and hands. And they were taking pieces of me. And there was a lot of laughter, a lot of very foul language. And then they became more invasive. There has never been a horror movie or cruel that can begin to describe their cruelty because their cruelty was pure, purely sadistic. I know that they got nothing out of it. It was simply something to do. And I'm very aware that they were so empty, so without compassion or feeling for me, that it was just amusement for me to scream and yell and fight back. The physical pain was pain from head to foot, just solid, horrible, acute pain on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 total didn't begin to match what I felt on the inside was, you know, um, having been taken down to nothing. I mean, the worst things that you could possibly imagine had happened to me and more. And in that place, I heard a voice which I identify as my voice, except that it did not come out of my throat, off my lips. But I do feel, I, it's strange, but I feel like it came out of my chest. This voice said, pray to God. And I thought, I don't believe in God. I don't pray. The voice said, pray to God. And I thought, I don't even know how to pray. I couldn't pray if I wanted to pray. The voice said, pray to God. And I thought, when I was a boy and had gone to Sunday school prayers, we had been taught prayers. Um, what were those prayers? So I'm searching for anything that I remembered as a child. Our Father who art in heaven. I remember like these phrases out of prayers. And I start to mutter this stuff and the people around me absolutely can't bear it. And so in language that has never been heard in this world, obscene, filthy, vulgar language, they're saying to me the, the content of which is, there is no God, nobody can hear you, and now you are going to really be hurt. You think what you've experienced so far is something? Wait until we've got for you now. Now, this made me want to pray more because for the first time I was able to hit back at them. The prayers were like clobbering. Well, they left me alone. So uh, now I have eternity, time without measure, to think about my situation. And I thought about my life. And as I considered my life, which would take me days to talk over what I thought about, but sum it up with, as a son to my mother and father, I had failed them. I had not been a good husband to my wife, and you can use your imagination to figure out what that means. Um, but it's that's true. That's all true. Um, been the father to my kids that I should have been, and I knew I hadn't because I was busy. I was trying to be somebody. You know, like the football games and the band concerts and the choral concerts and the theater performances. That could all wait because I was busy 
being important. I was doing stuff, making myself into somebody, and I hated my life, and I realized that I belonged with these people in this place. The only problem was is I didn't want to be with those people because I knew that the only way to survive in this world, if you don't want to be a victim anymore, you've got to be meaner, crueler than they are. You've got to be the victimizer and not the victim. This memory comes of myself as a little boy sitting in a Sunday school classroom singing, Jesus loves me. When I thought, he, why would he care about me? Even if he is, why would he care? He must hate me. I'm so sorry. And I thought, enough of this. I'm done. I don't have anything else. Jesus, please save me. And when I said that, I saw a light, tiny little speck of light, and it very rapidly got very bright and came over me. And I saw out of the light, hands and arms went emerge out of this impossibly beautiful white light. Those arms went on me and healed me. They went behind my back and he picked me up as if it was no effort on his part. He just gently picked me up and held me up against him real tight up against his chest. So there I am with my arms around him, his arms around me, and I am bawling like a baby. And he starts to rub my back like he wasn't saying they're there, but it was just like like a mom or a dad with a child. And I knew I don't I don't know how I knew, but I knew that he loved me very much, just the way I was. And he loves you just the way you are. In fact the Bible says while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Aren't you glad for that? Can we take a moment and just praise him for that? Lord, we thank you. And just our hearts are so full of thankfulness because while we were in sin and enjoying our sin, you went to the cross and you died for us. And we are so thankful and grateful for what you have done for us. We thank you. Mother, we thank you in Jesus' name. You see, God loves you more than a mother and a father. But he doesn't want you to be separated from him. So he, you can't stay the way that you are. John 3 and 14 says, The Son of Man must be lifted up. He's talking about on the cross. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world. Aren't you glad for that? God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And this is another great part. For God did not send his son into the world to just condemn the world. No, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. I love that. Acts chapter 2 verse 21 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love the word everyone, don't you? (laughs) Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Which leads me to another question. Will people have a second chance after death? Well, let's look at Scripture. And after that, Hebrews 9.27. People are destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. According to the Scripture, there are no second chances after death. And many of these NDEers say they saw this border or this boundary that they knew they couldn't cross if they were going to come back to earth. That border represented true eternity for them. So I would ask the question, why would you wait to get right with God? Today is the day of salvation. I, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I want what you did for me. Jesus, I want your forgiveness. I want you to be God of my life. I, I just don't want to do it for fire insurance. I want to do it because I love you more than anything and you love me more than anything. And you're, and, and just like the song, there's nothing better than you. Can I get a good witness in the house? <coughs> Amen. So the next question, why hell at all? It's because some people don't want God to rule their lives. They want to rule their lives. My will, my way be done. And that's just the opposite of the scripture, isn't it? Jesus said, hell free for people, but it was for fallen angels. And what is interesting, angels had a free will just like you and me. In fact, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, if you want to jot those scriptures down. Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14 talks about the most powerful, beautiful angel of all. And his name was Lucifer. It meant light bearer. And he actually wanted to be God and he fell. In fact, the Bible says the seal of of you was perfection. You were full of wisdom. You were perfect in beauty. And yet you became proud and your heart became corrupted because of your wisdom and your splendor. You can find this in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. And by the way, the same temptation that Lucifer experienced, we experience as well. And it's called pride. Isn't it interesting how pride is spelled? P-R-I-D-E. Scripture goes on to say that one third of the angels actually had this free will And decided to follow Lucifer. And when time is linear, there's no such thing as a second chance. They chose not God. And God gave them what they demanded. Reject not God. And Jesus tells us if we keep rejecting him, if we keep on being our own God, we will hear in Matthew 25 and 41. Depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So what is clear is this. We've made the same choice as the eternal angels did. But because we're humans, God gives us a second chance, a third chance and a fourth. Aren't you glad for that? To do what? To turn back to him. 1 Timothy 2 and 4 says he wants all people to be saved. So, leads me to another question. If God is all-powerful, 
why don't all people go to heaven? Well, I want you to think about this. What would God do with a Hitler if everyone got to go to heaven? Would that be fair? They wanted to rule. They wanted to be God. Does God force obedience on Hitler and take away his free will? Well, he would be a slave. He would actually be a prisoner of heaven. So God there that humans have a free will so that they can decide for themselves where they want to spend eternity. God starts us out with these temporal bodies on earth first. And we can either live God's ways or we can live our own ways. Which leads to another question. Why does a loving God allow suffering? Why does a loving God allow suffering? And I, I really thought about this for many, many years. And I think the, the first thing that we have to remember is what I just said. Number one, everyone has a free will. Hitler had a free will. He could decide if he wanted to kill people or let them live. And so, therefore, there is suffering because people have a free will. And that's why there's sexual abuse and that's why there's racism. People have a choice what they want to do with their lives. The second thing we want to talk about is even though there is suffering, I, I thought of an illustration I want to share with you. How many have ever had children had to take them to the doctor and they had to get a shot? Raise your hand. Did your child enjoy the experience of getting a shot? I imagine you probably have a story that you could tell about your child that experience. But you know something. Now, there, there's some things, I think, that, that happens when they're suffering that God allowed some suffering to keep us from something later on. Just as you know that your child needed this vaccine to keep them from something later on that could be more hurtful than what they would experience right now. Let that sink in for a minute. The suffering that they are experiencing right now may stop something worse later on. I know firsthand. I had to get my own switch when I did something wrong. And if it wasn't long enough, you had to go back and get another one. And if that one wasn't long enough, they got their own. You wanted to get your own switch. I was raised in the good old days. <laughs> and it taught me something. Never pop my sister's balloon again. It's not right. It wasn't mine. And I was jealous because hers was blue. And mine was green. But then there's something else. Sometimes it's like the doctor can't do the shot because the child is just out of hand. It's The child is out of control. We hold and so, you know what we do as loving parents? We hold our own child with tears in our eyes, and we suffer with them. And I want you to know, whatever you have gone through in your life, your heavenly Father has cried with you and suffered with you. In fact, he's called a suffering servant. 
thank you, Jesus. And people will ask me, well, why doesn't God just nuke them into eternity, all these Hitler people? And I have to turn the question around in love and say, well, what if he did it to you when you hurt somebody? Aren't you glad he had mercy and compassion on you? Because he died for all people. All people. Think about it. In fact, Romans 3 and 23 says, all of us have sinned. All of us have. We Actually, we were born with that sin nature. My grandma said, kids are born with the devil and you need to beat it out of them. <laughs> we called her granny for that reason. <laughs> oh, she was a tough one. She didn't fool around. Romans, but you know what was cool about my grandma? She, I'm sorry. She came up to the altar one Sunday to get prayed for. And actually, she got healed for eternity. She died, literally died at the altar. Romans tells us that we've all sinned, but the good part on verse 24 says, and we are all justified by grace. My grandma lived a hard life. She had nine children and her husband left her after the last one. Back in the days when it was very uncommon and they didn't have a lot of money. In fact, people helped them, gave them food. Uh, my aunt, who was the oldest of the siblings at that time, uh, got a job at a grocery store and they gave her the food that started to go bad. And that's how they survived. As my father lived a scandalous, my grandfather lived a scandalous life. But I want to show you one last video before we close. Actually, it's a video of her name is Crystal. And she actually went through horrific sexual abuse as a child. Her parents ended up divorcing and then she had a stepdad that was also abusive. Then in the middle of all this, she actually came to faith in Christ. She got water baptized, but the abuse still continued. And she thought Jesus hadn't really saved her. And so in her words, she said, I turned away from God. I broke every one of the Ten Commandments. And she said, I always wanted to ask God, why? Why did you let this happen? And I want you to hear her story today. At the age of 33, I died with a lifetime of secrets and shame that went with me. Things that I had never told anybody, um, especially the sexual abuse that I endured as a child from the ages of 3 to 12. I always thought, you know, if he's real, I've got some questions for him. What kind of God are you? Where are you? How do you love a child and watch that kind of abuse happen? When I, with anger, and when I found myself in this beautiful light with angels standing to my left and the presence of God to my right, and I turned to face him 
I fell straight to my knees and then went straight to my face. And I cried because he touched me knowing who I was and who I had been. And he wrapped this love around me. And I put my hands up and I said, why didn't I do more for you when I was there? I always thought it would be, why didn't you love me? Why weren't you there? Why did you abandon me? And in that moment, all knowledge was given to me. And I knew that he had loved me. And he told me over and over how much he had loved me. He explained that the abuse that I had suffered, the horrendous things that I had gone through as a child were not done at his hand. That he gifted humans with free will and that it was the free will of a human who that had hurt me. But that he had never abandoned me. That he had never left me in those moments. That each time I called out for him, he was right there with me. And he chose and he freed me from a lifetime of shame. Because when he chose to touch me and to love me, I knew that he did so knowing everything about me. Not only what had been done to me, but what I had done. And I was free. And I wanted to be with him for eternity. God wants us to love, to trust him, and to follow his will. It's simply that people just refuse to do that. And when these sufferings happen, people think that God doesn't love them or that you come up with all kind of things. But I I want you to remember that people do have a free will. And God doesn't nuke them because he wants them to be saved. He doesn't... Have you ever heard the old saying, God doesn't like the sin, but he loves the sinner. And it's not the sin that gets thrown into hell. It's, it's, it's the sinner that does not let the Lord be Lord of their life. And then, and so he suffers with us. And then I thought it was interesting. She always wanted to ask God, why did you let this happen? But when she got there, her question was, why she paused and she said, didn't I do more for you? I want to tell you one day justice will be done. And when we get to heaven, I believe our first moment, our words would be, oh. Because the Bible says right now we see through a glass that's dark. We, we don't understand everything. But it will be made clear, the Bible says, when we get to heaven. We will understand it better by and by when the morning comes. So the question is today, how do we bring more of of heaven on earth? And what I want to share with you is, number one, give your life to Jesus Christ. It's so simple. Just tell him, Lord, I want what Jesus did 
I, I want that forgiveness. Do you know what? Re- repentance isn't tears. It's not. Although you may cry because we've done some horrible things in our life. We've done bad things. But that's not true repentance. True repentance is turning about face. What you used to do, you played God, but now repentance is turning about face. It's a 180. And now letting the God be Lord of your life and walking in His will and His ways and His word. Ask Jesus into your life. Ask Him to forgive you of, of sin. He's already paid the price for you. He loves you. He was tortured for you and for me. And when I said, God, forgive me, of, and I'm going to tell you, I can't remember every sin I've ever done. I said, Lord, anything I've ever done, you just, whatever I can't even remember, let your blood that you shed wash away my sin. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? It's so easy to do. Ask him into your daily life. The other thing I would suggest is overcome evil with good. Follow God even through the suffering moments of life. It's one of the hardest things to do to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus, but it's one of the most rewarding. I know at work it's hard. I know that there's a lot of people at at the workplace and at school, at school, I know it's very difficult. Shine, shine the light of Jesus Christ. Love them as Jesus would love them. And when they begin to say, there's something different about you, say, hey, well, you got a second, let's talk about it. And I want to share my testimony with you. Overcome evil with good. And then know that God's will is good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. And understand, walk in His will. Walk in His way. Because if we don't, there are are so many people that will never know Jesus if we don't live the testimony of it. And the Bible says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication after strange flesh and are set forth for an example. This is Jude 1 and 7. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Matthew 3, Jesus talked about unquenchable fire. Jesus also talked of a parable where a rich man was screaming, have mercy. He was burning in agony and he said, please, just a little bit of water. A drop of water. And then he said, warn my brothers, warn my family not to come here. And and, and I think one of the most horrific things is Mark 
chapter 9, verse 48, Jesus said, Their worm will never die, and the fire is never quenched. I don't even want to think about what that scripture means. The torment in our bodies in hell. And Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 said, They were tormented day and night forever and ever. That means there's no sleep. And the torment is for eternity. And again, I I want to end with the most unloving thing I could do as a pastor is not talk about hell. Because it's real. And I want to follow the example of Christ and love people. But also tell them that it is a real place. And you decide because the doors are locked from the inside of hell. Today it's my prayer that you just don't come to Christ because you're afraid. But that you would see that there is one who loves you more than you can even imagine. More than a mother and a father. Greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for a friend. And he calls you friend while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Would you stand with me today? Would you close and would you just focus right now on your Savior that loves you. One that is this beam of light like Howard was talking about with his his arms reached out and he wants to grab you and, and hold you, put you on his lap as a parent would do and love you. It is my prayer today that you would love God And then that you would love people. And then make a difference in the world. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I am so thankful for the work of Calvary. I'm so thankful for the message of the good news, the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that you were tortured. They beat you, spat on you. They pulled your beard. They whipped you, made you carry your cross, and then nailed you to the very wood that you created. And you were lifted up, as the scripture said, so that you could draw all men unto you. And that is my prayer today.